So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to Trending. It's Brooke Taylor in for Timory. Happy to be with you this blessed Thanksgiving Eve. How are you? I'm coming to you right now from my home studio as I pop in and out of the kitchen today, kind of getting ready for tomorrow. And I've been making a cinnamon coffee cake for the family. I'm planning to go to 8 a.m. mass tomorrow morning on Thanksgiving. So just trying to have something to feed the troops when they wake up. But this is an intense season. We are concluding the liturgical year. So there's a sense of that anticipation in the readings, judgment, death, resurrection. Of course, we're in the month of November still. That is the month dedicated to holy souls but also the church triumphant as we anticipate the feast of Christ the King. And of course, the holidays can stir up a lot. It can be a season of joy, of deep sorrow, all of that. And this year, we actually know two couples who are spending Thanksgiving in the hospital. So that's difficult. But it's also beautiful, especially as in just under uh, the hour that we're we're joining together, we're going to be praying the family across uh, rosary across America with Father Rocky. So this hour on the program today, we're going to cover beauty with our first guest, Lauren Costabile, and her incredible work of providing life-changing heart surgeries for babies with Down syndrome, children around the world. Really remarkable testimony. So we'll hear about how she got involved, what she does, how you can help, and just the beautiful witness that that she is in the power of every life and gratitude. I'm trying to see with those eyes now. We have five children, so we're in a different season because our children are getting older. Our oldest is a firefighter, paramedic, so he'll be at work tomorrow. And one of our other boys is coming home from college. And our other three are home, but inexplicably hungry, like at every moment. (laughs) So I've been sweating it out with my apron, just trying to get the treats ready. Most of them healthy, but the baked goods, the fresh bread, I think I've made six loaves of fresh bread and it just will not keep. But you know how it is when it's warm and out of the oven, it's so good. And we're going to use that for the stuffing. But in the busyness, there's beauty. So how are you feeling this Thanksgiving? We'll we'll take your calls this hour. Are there any particular dishes or prayers or people that you're most looking forward to? And sometimes we're so busy, we don't even get a chance to really think about that until we're sitting there or it's over. So this is a good opportunity to do that. And I pray the love of God shines in your heart and all the events throughout the day, just the ordinary beauty of that and the events of your holiday. Also, speaking of getting together, coming up later in the show, Father Nathan Cromley has three ways to be a peacemaker in your home over the holiday season, and that can be easier said than done. Uh, Just a little backstory about that with Father Nathan. For many years, I hosted a podcast, and Father Nathan had a feature called Padre in Your Pocket on the podcast. So the idea was that whenever a quandary comes up where you have a question about moral theology or how to navigate the culture, living living a life of holiness, wouldn't it be great if we had a padre, a priest at the ready to give us spiritual direction and advice? Kind of reminds me of like Star Wars when they had the holograph and I think it was Princess Leia. But it would also be good to have like a, a Patrick in your pocket. How cool would that be? Like questions about apologetics, which we do really when you think of relevant radio, because you can on demand look for a topic, pull up the show. But as a fun throwback, I thought we would do that with Father Nathan. And he has a Thanksgiving themed 
Padre in Your Pocket, all about Thanksgiving, addressing the issues of difficult personalities, navigating disagreements, dysfunction, which he says is like curves in a road. It's all part of life, human nature, all families have issues, and how we can approach these gatherings as a peacemaker with some great reminders and techniques. So that's coming up at the end of the show. You don't want to miss that. And when we think of Thanksgiving in gratitude, Of course, we think of life, the magnanimous miracle of life, of being born. And my guest today on the program is giving that gift to children with Down syndrome around the world. So very delighted to be able to bring you her story and share her apostolate. It's called Hearts of Joy International. Lauren Costabile is a Catholic speaker, advocate for Down syndrome, and founder of Hearts Hearts of Joy International. It is a nonprofit that provides life-saving heart surgery for children with Down syndrome in countries where families can't afford medical care. And we'll hear all about that with Lauren and her story. Welcome. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brooke. How are you? Great. It's it's good to talk to you. Um, What are you doing for Thanksgiving this year? Yeah, thank you. I will be with my family. I'm home for the holidays. So, yeah. Now, I know you're originally from Jersey, and then I think Mm -hmm. I saw that you moved to California. So are you going back home, or how is that working? Yes, I will be home. I was just currently in the Philippines. I just got home about a couple hours ago. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah. Four hours. How long of a trip? Yeah, And now we're here. We'll get into that because I know you did 12 yeah. heart surgeries. You, like you said, yeah, you just got yeah. back. But how yeah. far is that from the Philippines to where you are now? It's about a 32-hour excursion. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, thank so, you for, yeah. for being here. I'm not here. sure what time zone I'm on, but here we are. So. <laughs> it's well, all good. Yes, it is. And I know that this is going to plant seeds and we're so grateful for that. And so let's maybe start there just by way of introduction. What is, I mean, we kind of set it up there in the intro, but Hearts of Joy International, sure. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So like you said, so beautifully, we're providing heart surgery for children with Down syndrome. And that's because 50% of them are born with a cardiac defect mm. that's required to repair before they're about six months old to a year. Um, or else it becomes fatal. And so it's really important to uh, get checked early and to spread awareness and education about the connection between Down syndrome and the heart defect in these countries where we're working that uh, due to lack of resources and education are not aware of that need. I want to get into the logistics of that work and where you go, how it started, uh, what you just did in the Philippines. But I guess to back up a little bit with your own story, because one of the things that I noticed is you've done some extraordinary things at a very young age. And so I think the mom Mm -hmm. in me is just admiring your mom and dad. And I'm just curious Mm -hmm. about your own formation, your own upbringing is this something that from an early age you knew? Did it take you by surprise? Maybe that background formation. Yeah, I think uh, growing up, my family was always Catholic and prayed together. I went to Catholic school, so I always knew about God. But I would say as I got older, um, I started to have those real-life encounters where I realized, okay, this is not something my parents are going to choose for me, but this is something that they instilled in me that I have to choose myself. Um, And when I kind of made that turn, I think that's when God really started uh, speaking very loudly and profoundly in my life. And I started to realize uh, there's no other choice than to follow 
what he's asking and that's that's what brings you the most joy and fulfillment and but I think through different experiences I learned that that oh okay you can follow what what God is asking you and that's such a beautiful life well, and I think for parents listening, and so many as we pray for our children to come home, to come mm-hmm. back, that are wayward or prodigal, and having you feel like poured everything into them, and you talked about taking, um, you know, not advantage, but but just taking ownership, I guess, of your faith and having that encounter right. with Christ. Was there an event or a moment, or was it just over time in ways where your heart started to fall in love was there a specific um incident or experience yeah multiple encounters throughout my life and this sort of uh connects to hearts of joy as well so when i was 17 i volunteered at a camp for children with disabilities and it was the first time i really encountered um anyone with special needs which is so crazy thinking about my life now that i went 17 years without having that but god knows all things in his timing but that was really uh, where the Lord planted a very deep seed in my heart that there's something very unique and beautiful about these children. And they, I just, I saw God in them and uh, it just was such a beautiful example of also like how they love unconditionally and they, they treat you just with such love and care and they they don't really, uh, they're not judging you based on what you're wearing or, you know, what you do for a living or anything like that. They're just, they're seeing you for your heart. And, and that was really profound to me because I think that's the way that God sees all of us. And that was, yeah, maybe the first time that I encountered that within that population. I'm thinking about that because I remember when I heard you say you went to, I think it was the special needs camp with the Maris brothers and there yes. was one boy, like not having that experience before, not knowing anyone at the camp that you right. kind of locked eyes with and smiled and he just came right on <laughs> over. And I don't know if he gave you a yeah. hug or what, but just he that did. moment. Yeah. Like transformed. That's so profound to me because there was a hundred other people in that room and not one person was like, oh, let me go over and see if Lauren needs a friend. So I was very awkward in the corner. Like, again, I didn't have any experience at this time and. So I was sort of shy and intimidated and this boy saw that and he ran over, gave me a hug. I was immediately comfortable. And yeah, I just think the way that God like fashioned their hearts is, is different, but it's so profound and beautiful. It's something that I, I want to strive to be more like that. I want to be in tune to others feelings in that way so that I can, you know, share my, my love with them as well. Like that boy did for me. And it's one thing, too, though, I mean, thinking about that and then your introduction into the mm. world and the beauty of this, the special needs community. And it's one thing to have a heart for a cause, but then to found a ministry where sure. you're so dedicated in, in going across the world to help provide heart surgeries for these children, these mm. babies. When did you know that God was calling you to that specific need? So... After that camp, I felt pretty strongly that, oh, wow, like this is something that I could do with my life that I didn't know existed before this sort of bubble, because I don't have anyone in my family who has special needs. So this camp was really that first introduction for me. And then I studied recreational therapy in college. I worked at an adult day program for kids with disabilities or adults with disabilities. I also work with a ton of kids. 
young kids, a little bit older kids, like doing dance and music and art therapy all combined. I always joke and say I did like the fun stuff with everyone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I just always sort of knew that kids with Down syndrome were like were my thing or that's what I was called to. I just I never knew like what or in the context. But I knew that that was like always in my heart after that camp, that there was something really special about that population. And then after being with them for so many years and I kept going back to this camp year after year after year, it was like my favorite. I mean, it still is one of my favorite places on earth. And um, I would go to multiple camps per summer and I just couldn't get enough of, of being with these kids. And, and uh, they're just so carefree and fun and they just bring so much joy to life and I, uh, yeah, I always sort of sought that out and doing, uh, create, like getting opportunities that involve this population. And then in 2015, I went to Nicaragua on a mission trip to an orphanage. And that was the first time I saw children with special needs in the context of poverty. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of where the Lord ignited my heart for mission. Cause that was always something too, that was, I think just there, but it wasn't ignited until that moment that I said, wait a minute, like, who's taking care of these children? Like, why is no one, like, loving on them? And that really stuck with me. And uh, actually, a friend of mine ended up adopting a baby with Down syndrome from that orphanage, which is so special because now I get to see her grow up. And I think she's, like, something like 11 or 12 years old now. She's so cute. Um, That's beautiful. But then a few years later, in 2017, I went to Uganda. And I went to visit a friend and... I really made it a point to visit the downtown community there because I was very curious how they would be treated in a country like Uganda. And because I'm connected to the groups here in the States, I was able to reach out to an organization that works there. And I visited about 10 children in their homes uh, who have Down syndrome. And I was really blown away by what I saw, not only to the level of poverty that I saw and experienced, but the fact that these children were inside their homes, they're not part of society, they're not brought out or a part of the community, and there's a deep shame and stigma associated with having a child with Down syndrome because it's physical, so you could see it, um, that the child has a disability. And that just crushed me because here are my favorite people in the whole world and they're being hidden in a culture that doesn't understand them or have any resources set up for them. And so that really stuck with me and was very profound. And then the last baby that we visited was a six-month-old little girl, and she had a heart defect. And I just held her, and I could feel her heart beating against mine. And the Lord literally said, help, help this baby. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time because no one had told me she had a heart defect, but I, I could just gather from the way she was breathing like, and the parents were very unaware that she had Down syndrome, and they definitely didn't know that she could potentially have a heart defect. So it was a very complex sort of explaining this potential to them. And it was very um, just overwhelming for the family. But uh, you say, like, how could you devote your life to this? Because that initial conviction to help this child was, it was and still is like the strongest conviction I think the Lord has ever given me. Um, and that I, I didn't know I was going to start an organization. I just was going to help her. And I sort of, I can tell the full story, but I, I followed the little promptings of the Holy Spirit, like along the way, because I had no clue that God was going to 
like unfold this big mission in front of me. I really didn't know. <laughs> you know, it's there's so many things to that. Your experience, yeah. I, I've heard you say too that for those who've started nonprofits, and particularly maybe if it deals with pediatric or babies, there's always this one, yeah, child, one child that kind of mm-hmm. set it off. And that yeah. story is so powerful. And it reminds me too, in the Old Testament, the, in Abraham, and he is to go out to receive a place that he is to receive as an inheritance. And he goes out not knowing where he's going, but the God of the covenant is faithful. And you knew, okay, the Lord is setting me out. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where he's going to take me, but never questioning that call. And the fruits of that have been remarkable. We have to take a break in just a few minutes, but I just want to draw attention to, we know, well, I think most of us are aware of the devastating statistics, the genocide of that population of children with Down syndrome who are aborted. In some countries, it's almost 100%, which is just unfathomable. Mm -hmm. And I think it's notable when you shared being at that camp that as you talked about coming alive in your faith, understanding the God of the covenant, that the Lord is real. He's more real than the ground we're standing on. And it was through the smile and the beauty and the purity of this young camper Mm -hmm. that was there and just what our world loses by the loss of these children and what we gain through Mm -hmm. their love. It's as though the veil is lifted. And also before we take a break, I want to touch on something uh, that you mentioned and it's when you were in Uganda that these children were hidden. Do you go to places where you see there is a stigma with disability? Because I know in some cultures that can certainly be the case. Yeah, for the most part in majority of Uganda, it's like that. Um, mm. Yeah, where there just is this lack of understanding and there's no representation uh, or example. So, that, you know, it's it's rare that these children would go to school or you would see them out in the community. It's getting a little bit better, and I can explain that too because our program builds advocates and the mothers and explaining and educating what Down syndrome is so that they have the confidence to bring their children out to the market and and uh, make them a part of the community. And I, I, I do think that we're making progress. And thanks to other organizations and partners that we have on the ground that are on board with us and educating communities, I think there's there's a, a lot of growth that's happened since I first got there. But I also think there's a lot more that we can continue to grow and learn and, and just share the joy of these children. For sure, in that ongoing prayer. But the advocacy, again, you know, it makes you think of Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta, mm-hmm. and the the one-on-one and how powerful that is, that ripple effect. Yeah. Lauren Costabile is with us. She is the founder of Hearts of Joy International, raising awareness and funds for life-saving heart surgery for children with Down syndrome from around the world. And on this Thanksgiving Eve, a beautiful reminder of the gift of life. Every beat of our heart is a miracle. It's Brooke Taylor in for Timory. Our studio lines are open, one 914 Your thoughts or a question for Lauren, she is here. And more to come right after the break here on Trending. We'll be right back. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. 
You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to the show. Happy Thanksgiving Eve to you. It's Brooke Taylor in Fort Timory. Of course, the family rosary across America is coming up in just over 30 minutes as we unfold our prayers, our petitions, our praise to the Blessed Mother and our Lord. And before the end of the show, too, I want to mention we have a special treat, three ways to be a peacemaker in your home over the holidays. And and that might not sound like a treat, (laughs) depending on the atmosphere or the, the personality difficulties, but Father Nathan's words of wisdom, I think, are spot on and are great not only for gatherings with relatives, but all circumstances of life. So we'll hear from Father Nathan later in the program. Lauren Costabile is here now. We've been talking about the life-saving work of her nonprofit, Hearts of Joy International, where they perform life-saving heart surgery for children with Down syndrome from across the world. The studio line is open if you have a question for Lauren. Maybe you have a story or a child, a sibling with Down syndrome and can attest to the beauty of their life. Would love to hear from you, your story. 1-888-914-9149. One triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. And Lauren, before the break, we were talking about the advocacy, what you do, and I know this is fresh as we just introduced uh, you in a conversation you were sharing. You literally just got back hours ago <laughs> from the Philippines, and I know you were there for a few weeks, I think, and did multiple or at least helped um, with the advocacy with the heart surgeries. Can you tell us about that trip and what you witnessed? Yeah, so we just got back. We were there for a few weeks, and we were able to do uh, 12 heart surgeries. And we also, so the Philippines is a number of islands. But actually, I don't want to say the wrong number, but I need to ask the doctors how many islands there actually are. But there's many, many islands. And so we, our hospitals are in the main city of Manila. And then we traveled out to multiple islands. We did follow-up visits with some patients that we've done surgery for previous years. And then we also went to an island, a very remote island, um, and we hosted a screening. So we brought several cardiologists from the hospitals in the cities and also from other islands. Because there's so many, there's not a cardiologist on every single island. So you can imagine that the children that are unfortunately living on certain islands, they don't have any access to care. And so this particular island was one of them. There's no cardiologist in the entire island. And so we hosted this screening where we brought echo machines to scan the children's hearts. And we scanned about 56 children. And unfortunately, this is the education piece. Many of them were inoperable, meaning they were too old and past the point of where they should have gotten the repair. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not fixable. And then we found about seven children that do need surgery that are operable. And so we're going to be helping them actually next month before Christmas. So that's uh, really incredible. And that was really beautiful. That was the first time we ever did a screening like that. And that's the first of many because it's always been a goal of mine or just one of my personal desires to go into those spaces where there is nothing for these people and just give them that hope and and education and, and explain to them this is the condition your child has, but we're here to support you. We're going to walk with you and you can get through this. And yeah, it was really, really such a gift. It was so beautiful. Incredible. And by the way, producer Patrick Alog has your back. He said 7,641 islands. So there you go. That's Holy quite. Cow. I've no only wonder been to you like didn't know that off the top of your head. Yeah. 
<laughs> but I did see on the Facebook page wow. that you have a post about that you were just saying, and that the particular island you were at, as you mentioned, there were no part, uh, pediatric cardiologists, but that some yeah. families traveled up to eight hours to come to the screening? Yes. So they would take a boat to a van to another boat, and then they'd walk or take a motorcycle. So we met several families um, that traveled for anywhere between two to eight hours to get to us wow. because I guess it's small. So word travels fast, too, that we're coming. And I think we we worked through the Ministry of Health and the city officers of this particular town that we were in. And so they, they explained uh, through the schools. So there were a lot of people that that came, which is really, really great. And um, it just was amazing, too, to meet all these parents and hear their stories. I think a big thing that sets um, Hearts of Joy apart is that we are a relational organization. We want to build relationships with the families. I think often in our world, things are very transactional. What can I get from you? And then what am I going to do for you? But I want to build relationships with these children and their families. I want to see them grow up and thrive. And it's all in building that relationship that that's where people feel the most supported. And that's how I feel called to love them through this situation. Um, And I think that that this is so special for me to be able to build that trust and have these parents come and share these things with me, you know, um, I think that's really, yeah. I mean, the need is, is great. And you had mentioned too, uh, sensitivity with the time frame. I know that's a critical piece as well. Yes. So there are five defects that affects this, uh, this population and, I'd say three of them, one in particular, AV canal is very time sensitive. If you don't correct that by six months to a year, it can become fatal, sometimes even before six months because it causes something called pulmonary hypertension. So essentially it's a hole in the heart. And if you don't close the hole or it's multiple holes, um, the blood goes into the lungs and it floods the lungs. And so the the larger that hole is, the faster that process happens and Sometimes we've had children that are four months old and it was so severe that they were already inoperable. So we say the younger you are, the better, because then you get um, a better chance at being able to correct the hole from the source and and not cause a lot of pulmonary hypertension. But then there's other lesser defects. This is an incredible story I would love to share that we met these two. uh, They're actually adults with Down syndrome, 23 years old. And they had never seen a cardiologist before in their entire life. They both have the same heart defect, but it's very, very less severe. So we can actually correct it through an operation where you don't have to open the heart. You can put, um, wow. they put like a, a catheter tube in their, in their leg. And then through that tube, they implant a device and it plugs the hole. It's incredible. <laughs> so we do multiple different surgeries depending on the defect, but these two particular, um, like young adults were just the cutest. Everyone's been joking that the lovebirds, they're going to get married. They're going together for their hearts. They were so cute. And it was so cool for me because we've actually never done adults before just because we've never, we've, we've never, never had that. this opportunity. Yeah. Um, and the doctors asked, are, are you, are you going to be able to help them even though they're not children and I said absolutely we're helping anyone with Down syndrome that needs a heart surgery and some of our kids need multiple too so they'll get one when they're a baby then they'll get one again 10 years later so 
we will, mm-hmm. again, it's that relational uh, piece that we're not just going to abandon you once we give you the service. We're, we're really invested in the child's care and having them grow up and live a good life. And so we're here to support them uh, in whatever that cardiac need may be. But those two 23-year-olds, I'm very, very excited for them. We, uh, they didn't want to get on the airplane to go to the hospital, so we, we told them we would get them spaghetti from the Jollibee, which is a very big Filipino chain, like fast food place. So they said, okay, fine. If you get us spaghetti, we'll do it. And great. Sold. <laughs> And I know you're Italian, yeah. so of course you have to go. Yeah. <laughs> that would work yeah, for me. Great. Uh, Lauren Costabile. <laughs> Lauren is here, Catholic speaker, advocate for Down syndrome, founder of Hearts of Joy International, nonprofit that provides life saving heart surgery for children with Down syndrome in countries with families that can't afford medical care. So we talked about Uganda, Nicaragua. I know you mentioned Lauren and just recently Mm -hmm. in the Philippines. And I want to take a few calls because we talked a little bit earlier about how the Lord grabbed your heart through the beautiful souls and eyes and smiles of a few children with Down syndrome that you had the blessing to get to know one at camp and then another in Uganda and how this changed your life. Um, Rose Mm -hmm. is on the line from California and and ha- I want to take Rose's call about her daughter. Welcome to the show. Are you with us, Rose? Yes, yes, I'm here. Hi. Um, hi, Lauren. I was uh, so impressed with what you are doing. You oh, have to forgive you. me. I just recently, uh, my daughter passed away mm-hmm. uh, eight months ago. Uh-huh. She was 60 years old, but... Uh, like you said, she was such a joy and such a delight and always so happy. Uh, mm. Nobody was ugly. Nobody was anything but beautiful. And uh, uh, when you were saying how they're still treated in Uganda, that was painful to hear that, that they're still uh, neglected and they're still hid away. Now, my daughter was born in 1960, right on the cusp. Mm of bringing them out of the backyard, so to speak. Mm. That's how I always put it, because they were always hid away in the house or in the backyard. Mm. And in about when the Kennedys brought out the Special Olympics and people began to see what they could do and how delightful all special needs, uh, the world, United States changed for us because people did stare at you, and mm. they thought you were either ignorant or you were poor. And uh, when they would see her, and she was so happy to see see people. And uh, my church, I belong to the St. John Vianney Catholic Church here in Hacienda Heights. Mm. They were my village. Mm. They were actually my village and her village. And they encompassed her into their hearts. Mm. And uh, when she died, there were over 200 people, and most of them were my church people. My family, some of my family didn't find it important to come to her funeral. And that was painful. But her joy and her love for everybody uh, was amazing. And I, I think what you're doing is marvelous. I was lucky because she didn't have that hole in her heart. 
and she was uh, so she lived a more healthy life than some of her sister sister uh, Down syndromes uh, that were sick with holes in their hearts. Yeah, and had bad hearts. Rose, what was your so, daughter's name? Her name was Kathy Kathy Ann oh, Gorgoni, okay. and mm-hmm. uh, I wanted the world just to know her. And we took her everywhere. She traveled well with us on the plane, on the train. And anyway, I, I, I don't want to take up too much time, but I want everyone who hears this to appreciate what Lauren is doing mm. for our kids. Thank you, Rose. And thank you for yeah. the life of fidelity, of love, of witness for your own daughter as a faithful mom. I know as a caregiver, sometimes it can be exhausting. It can be glorious. It can be lonely, all of those things. And also what you said about leaning on the body of Christ, your church family. It is a fact that in the disability community, church can be difficult. It is hard if you have especially a child that has sensory issues and all that goes into um i'll say too just because i can say a little bit with our own experience of our daughter that's severely autistic and some of the older generation they didn't because she didn't her disability wasn't necessarily evident uh, right away in the way she looked. And so it's it's been such a beautiful exchange of understanding and learning and patience and grace. And so I really love that you said that, Rose, because for anyone that has a child or a family that you're dealing with a disability, sometimes church can be difficult or stressful. And I think that's a beautiful witness and example to just <laughs> keep going and, you know, to lean on the graces of the sacraments, certainly stay close to the sacraments, to holy priests and uh, the family that we are given in the blessing of our church and parish. And thank you so much, Rose. Lauren, I'm sure you wanted to add on as well. Yeah, thank you so much, Rose, for sharing about the life of your daughter. It's just, yeah, it's so, it's so beautiful. And I think that is what changes people's hearts. And that's what ends the stigma is exactly that. The example of one life and how that child was loved by her mother and, and, and your family. And I just think that's, that's such a powerful witness. And like Mother Teresa says, the ripple in the water, like that's each of us and how we live our lives. And the world is lesser if we don't, if we don't live in that way and show that and be that light of Christ. And so that's really, yeah, just so powerful. Thank you for sharing. And want to make sure we lift you up in the rosary today. We have the mm-hmm. um, the glorious mysteries. Today's Wednesday, so thinking about the resurrection and what a what a beautiful mystery to consider, Kathy, and to um, lift up your life and your heart in gratitude and for ongoing strength, Rose. Thank you. I want to grab David real quick as well. He's been holding from Denver and has a brother with Down syndrome. Welcome to the mm-hmm. program. Hi, David. Hi. Thank you for the work that you guys are doing. Um, yeah, so my brother is 33 now, and uh, he's a joy uh, to our family, and um, yeah, we're all we're all grown adults. The youngest is 20-something, and the oldest is 40-something, but um, so he was born with, with Down syndrome, and when he was born, I was old enough to know, to understand that Down syndrome meant that he was different, that he was going to be different. So I saw it as uh, this would have been in the 80s, I guess, or 90s, maybe. Um, 
I'm not good at math. <laughs> but um, he, yeah, I I didn't I didn't understand, so I didn't I didn't see see him as a blessing. But the Lord, uh, you know, thought I have so many lessons of of love to him. Um, so I mean, I could just, just keep going and going. So I won't. Um, the so the I'll, I'll just stop. I'll just stop there. He he's been a blessing to our life. And the question that I have is, um, how do I? How would he get checked to see that his heart is okay and and all that? And like, does he just need to go to a cardiologist and have? That's a good question. I don't mean to cut you off, David. The phone, I think the phone's a little muffled, um, but I think we heard about your brother and just asking how to get maybe his heart screened. Could you help with that, Lauren? Yeah, so he's 33 years old now? Yes. Yeah. So you can just go to an adult cardiologist and get an echo, can ask for a heart scan. And if he's 33 and not displaying any symptoms of, you know, heavy breathing or different things that would signify a heart defect or that's never been an issue a doctor has brought up to this point, I don't want to say he does or doesn't have it, but if he's older, then he most likely doesn't because it's half of them do and half of them don't. So hopefully he's okay. But yeah, just, just go visit a cardiologist if you never have before. That would be the best thing. <laughs> Thanks, David. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you. You know, too, Lauren, and again, we're with Lauren from Hearts of Joy International going around the world to offer life-saving heart surgeries for children with Down syndrome. When people see you traveling across the planet and dedicating your life to helping (laughs) save the lives of these children, I imagine that must make a powerful impact because all you invest for every one of these children, the way you love, the way you witness your life for children with Down syndrome, that the value of these children is so worthwhile. Do you think that's something that parents of these children can sense when you are in their village or in these developing countries and you're assisting and walking through with them? Yeah, I think it speaks very loudly, or I hope it does. And often they're they're taken by the fact that we've traveled so far to be here and specifically to be there for that child who has a disability because they don't typically get that sort of attention or care. And that's something I'm really proud of that I've built up a team and trained people to be able to accompany these families and to love them and to show them that this child does matter. Even though your culture is telling you something different, we're here to reveal this new information to you that God gave you this child for a purpose and you were created to be their parent and to love them and to care for them and God's going to teach you something beautiful through this, and we're here to support you in that and to teach you, not to do it for you, but to teach you. Because, again, um, this is a very relational thing, and we want to empower them and build them up to be advocates because that's how you change cultures. That's how you end a stigma. We just have... We just have a few more minutes as we wrap up, but I want to make sure to get the information so people can learn more about Hearts of Joy International. And I know, too, that you have joy stories. I love that with how these children have been forever changed and you follow their progress. Can you tell us a little bit about the joy stories? 
Yeah, so that is where we share the before and after of the children's stories. We have them up on our website, which is heartsofjoyinternational.com, and just sharing, yeah, the joy of that child. This is a, a heart that's been healed and a life that's been changed forever. And it's uh, just one of the best things about my job is that I get to go back to these places and then see the children grow up. And we just experienced that in the Philippines. There were children we had done surgery for last month, last a year, two years ago, three years ago, and now they're like six, seven, eight years old. They're going to school. So they're riding a bike. It's just the most incredible thing. Um, In the videos, oh man, it's just the waterworks. (laughs) Because the videos, you get to see their chubby cheeks and their big smiles and how healthy they look. So that's really beautiful uh, with your YouTube page. When we last spoke, which I think was a few years ago, you had a waiting list. Is that still the case? And how can people Mm -hmm. either sponsor a child or support your uh, ministry in general? Yeah, so we do have a waiting list still. We're actually preparing five kids first surgery in January. We'll be headed to India. We'll be bringing uh, several children from Uganda and then several children from the Philippines to our partner hospital in India. And you can sponsor those children by going on our website again uh, to the donate page and uh, donating right there, which is heartsofjoyinternational.com slash donate. So yeah, anything uh, that you could do would really be appreciated because it literally will save a child's life. So for sure. Yeah. And, we get, and what, what a gift. I mean, that mm-hmm. day when you were at camp, who could have imagined where the Lord would take you? So thank you for your fiat, yeah. giving your yes. And mm-hmm. um, what's to come? I mean, do you see that the ministry's growing? And we have a gala, like you said, the um, the waiting list. Do you have cardiologists in each country? Uh, is there anything you need? Yeah, so we have a team of cardiologists as well as a full healthcare team in each hospital. So Our model is to work within the hospital system that's already in place. And we do that because we also want to empower the doctors because we see that uh, acceptance comes from the healthcare system. And I think that goes to show here as well how there's a high termination rate. It's because that's within our healthcare system that that's encouraged within this population. So we're trying to make a change in these countries as well. So rather than bringing in doctors from America, we are working with Indian cardiologists, Filipino cardiologists, Ugandan cardiologists, so that they themselves can think twice and say, oh, wow, okay, this child is worthy of care. And it's been incredible that that transformation we've seen just within our own team and how they've become advocates for this cause. It's like I could cry thinking about it because... Again, this is way beyond my wildest dreams of anything I could have thought of in my own heart or brain, <laughs> but God has never outdone in generosity, and He really loves these children, and He wants the world to, to see that and to know that. And so our mission is just one tiny piece of that, providing this necessary care, but, but also building these advocates within the parents, within the healthcare system, within our own team, and and just building up the culture of life and just showing people the the gift of these kids. I mean, I I will never stop shouting that from the rooftops as long as I'm here on this earth. So anyone who knows me or hears me knows that. Um, It's such a joy. 
And I mm. think, too, in a time where there is a lot of darkness, to see the hope, the light. Uh, you are a bright torch. You're a beautiful woman. We thank you. I know one oh, of your heroes you. is St. Teresa of Calcutta, and mm-hmm. I see why. You know, she has said, tell Jesus I will be the one, and you are the mm-hmm. one. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Again, Hearts of Joy International is the apostolate. We will link up the information on the show page, the show notes. Thanks. Happy Thanksgiving again, and God bless you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, Lauren Costabile. It's Brooke Taylor. Quick break. Back with three ways to be a peacemaker during family gatherings with Father Nathan Cromley. That's next here on Trending on Relevant Radio and the app. Back in a moment. Today's programming is sponsored by Colby Academy, offering a customized Catholic curriculum. Colby Academy knows the ultimate goal of education is to help our children be saints. More info at relevantradio.com slash Colby. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to the program on this Thanksgiving Eve. It's Brooke Taylor in for Timory. Just looking at the clock and this feature that I want to share with you with Father Nathan Crownley. We're going to get right into it. We might not be able to play it all, but it's so good. I think it's spot on as we are Thanksgiving Eve getting ready for many family gatherings. And he has three ways to be a peacemaker and a little feature called Padre in Your Pocket with Father Nathan Crownley. Take a listen. Hi, everybody. This is Father Nathan with another Padre in Your Pocket. I want to talk to you about something that is on all of our minds as the holiday season approaches. How do I deal with family conflicts, age-old slumbering difficulties, and relationships that are stressed? What are we to do? The first thing I would say is that the fact that there are hurt and all kinds of things that get in the way, this is humanity, and it's not necessarily unique to your family. I can't think of many families that don't have difficulties that come up during the holidays. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Meaning it's a part of life, kind of like curves in a road. It's called family life and human freedom. What am I going to do about it becomes the real question. I want to propose that your faith in Jesus Christ is in fact the antidote. Remember what Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. That means that the very first thing I have to ask myself is, am I part of the problem or am I part of the solution? That is, most of us, we go through life saying everybody else is at fault. It's because of this, it's because of this, it's because of this. And we don't own up to the fact that they're saying the exact same thing about us. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then when we do hear that, we end up saying, oh, my gosh, that's part of the problem, is that they think that I'm the problem. Let's first take stock of this. We all are part of the problem. Now, as soon as I recognize that, I can become part of the solution. And that becomes being resolved to make the peace that I wish they would help make. It is true that sometimes people cannot do that and they cannot come over that barrier towards you, but you can at least open your arms wide towards them and make sure that you've done your part to be that representative of God's love towards them. So I would love to give you a whole little talk here on personal conversion and how 
this is so important for making peace in your families this holiday. But I think just saying it is probably enough. That is, you need to look at your own life and own where, in fact, you could change. Then you make those changes, even in small ways, and you look for the happy results. I'm going to now, though, turn to what happens if that isn't the case. If, in fact, you have done that and you are open wide and you are trying and you still have to navigate these waters. Very first thing is accept that this is the way it is. We know it's a terrible thing, but let's cry a river and then get over it, right? Because that negativity is not going to help us solve the problem. It is this way. Now let's become proactive about a solution. First step towards that solution is to go into those holiday seasons looking for positive ways to show love, looking for opportunities to be joyful. Well, from the time you come in that room to the time that you leave, you are able to try to make a difference for the best. Second rule, what we do when we make those differences are not usually things. It's usually attitudes demonstrate. Here's what I mean. Simply smiling, laughing pleasantly, looking nice, and looking for ways to celebrate good things is enough. Sometimes we think we have to have a big conversation or we have to make someone the cake that they love best or whatever. And those are very good things if you can, but usually big bridges are built on small foundations, meaning the bridge crossing the river rests on little concrete things on each side of the river. And those little concrete things are analogous in our life to attitudes, to smiling, to engaging, to not being passive aggressive are allowing their passivity to determine our aggressivity, right? In other words, to allow ourselves to be true bridges open by attitude, small things. Third rule is to bring Christ into your heart. The key to making peace with others is allowing Christ to, first of all, be our peace ourselves. And so I invite you to make your peace with God. And in that peace, then reaching out, by attitudes, small gestures, openness of spirit towards your relatives and neighbors who, with whom you have stressful relationships. And all these things, remember this last thing, we will not pass this way again. Therefore, let us do all the good we can. Let us not act like these holiday seasons will be repeated infinitely when they won't. Let's make the most of them and be the peacemaker that Christ has called us to be. I'm praying for you as always. God bless. Thank you, Father Nathan Cromley. Love what he said there about personal conversion. That's a biggie. And small things with great love. We don't need a huge conversation, small things, uh, big bridges built on small foundations. And that seems to be the theme for the past hour as we talked about St. Teresa of Calcutta, the work of my guest, Lauren Costabile, her apostolate, Hearts of Joy International, providing life-saving heart surgeries for children with Down syndrome from around the world. That reminder that we all have incalculable value. That is a beautiful reminder. God bless you this Thanksgiving holiday and always a family rosary across America with Father Rocky is next. St. Teresa of Calcutta, pray for us. St. Cecilia, pray for us. I'm Brooke Taylor in for Timory. God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving.